Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly and what a season it turned out to be for our Nittany Lions finishing strong with a big win over Michigan State. 10 win season. First time since 2019. And we just got ranked number eight in the college football playoffs. So we're sitting on a potential New Year Six bowl bid in what I honestly thought was going to be a rebuilding year for the Nets, to be completely honest. I know I talked a, a lot, but I thought it was going to be total total rebuild mode for us. Yeah, definitely, you know, being able to get back to where you were as you ended the 2019 season. And then obviously you had COVID. You had all that talent that was on the team. COVID happened. You started off 2020-0-5, and then you never really got over the hump. Although. No, for me, I'm one of those you know, type of people that want to be in the college football playoff every year, but also realizing that we're not exactly there yet. So to be able to get back to where you were from that 2019 season and to do it with such young talent that you're going to have for this stretch run here is super, super impressive. Didn't have a signature win on the schedule, lost your two biggest games of the year, but had some positive signs and were able to compete with the blue chip talent that we've been talking about that you need to beat those teams. So all that momentum carrying into, like you said, a new year six bowl and into next year, the, the future is looking very, very bright. And the challenge is still on Franklin's plate to get this team over that hump to get to the CFP, but all signs are pointing up. And that is a very positive thing for a Penn state fan. Yeah. I mean, like like you mentioned, obviously, we want to go to a college football playoff, but just considering we were not ranked going into the season, mm-hmm. a lot of question marks at a lot of positions around the board, ending it in a New Year's Six Bowl is a straight-up victory for this team. Mm-hmm. Bowl bids, though, where do you have where do you have us penciled in? I personally, Herbie last night and um What's his name? Mark Wogenrich wrote an article about potential bowl. So they convinced me that we're going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, interesting scenario there. Cause the the funny thing with bowls is even if the Rose Bowl were to bid to Ohio State, I believe it's where Ohio State would have to accept that bid. And depending on CJ Stroud's future, you know, if he elects to not play in that bowl game, Ohio, it could be vice versa. Ohio State could Vow, vows to not want to play the Rose Bowl or the Rose Bowl could like you mentioned and how they mentioned on the show on Tuesday night how the Rose Bowl could skip over Ohio State and elect to, to bring big uh, Penn State to represent the Big Ten so very interesting scenario the most likely one for me seems like the Cotton Bowl to get in there as an at-large team and pretty much that scenario would require all the conference championship games to go as expected with the favorites all winning and that would leave, you know, USC making the playoff Ohio State getting left out. And then we'd be facing either a Tulane or UCF. For me personally, I would love that because I would be taking the three hour trip north to go to Dallas to go to that um, game. I probably would join you. I'd probably come and you, to Yeah, you got an extra room, brother. Come on down and we'll, right, we'll make that journey together. But uh, obviously the Rose Bowl granddaddy of them all, that would be the most exciting uh, to be able to get matched up potentially against a uh, a Utah team, or if somehow USC gets left out, 
you know, you're going up against that rematch that we missed out or that we had against Sam Darnold. You have to go up against the Trojans again and uh, redeem ourselves. But for me, I think Cotton Bowl is most likely and one I'd be most excited about, like I said, because we could go to that. But uh, Rose Bowl um, seems more and more likely over these last couple of days. Yeah, it's 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 weird how the Rose Bowl has different rules than everyone else. They can right. kind of like put out statements like, oh, we're, this is how we do it. Like, and everyone else is just like, nope, we're just picking these two teams every single year. That's how it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. But the Rose Bowl, with all of its tradition and pageantry, I guess, has to have a strict standard of rules for what <laughs> they're playing there. But Ohio State's played in the Rose Bowl two times since 2018, correct? I believe so, yes. So, yeah, I mean, it does make sense to put, <clears throat> to put Penn State there and then put Ohio State in the orange. But that's the committee's problem, not ours. Before that, though, a little housekeeping to go over. Christian Bayou, the Canadian sensation quarterback, put his name into the transfer portal. No blame or hate to him at all. I mean, just right kid, wrong time. He definitely is electrifying dual threat quarterback. I think whatever school he goes to is going to get a stud. Good luck to him. And I'm definitely going to keep my eye on him in whatever school he goes to because I might put a future on them to potentially win a division or something because from the little we saw kids mm-hmm. kids got talent he's got the arm talent and he's got the ability to create plays on the run so yeah i was gonna say just like you said it's very excited to see where he goes because i think he's gonna be a solid power five d1 quarterback he's he flashed that potential he's got all the makings you know got uh, Ray reviews from his teammates how how great of a teammate he is. So whatever team he's going to, he's gonna, you know, he's got the makings of a leader, and he's he's gonna he's gonna really flash. So excited to see where he goes. If he stays, you know, you're you're banking on a Drew Aller injury, which no Penn State fan wants to hear or think about next year for him to be able to get thrusted in that starting role. So, like you said, no hard, no ill will, no hard feelings, and excited to see what his what his future holds. And speaking of uh, transfer portal, I saw one name, uh, Dante Thornton Jr., mm-hmm. leaving Oregon, and Penn State was heavy on his recruiting trail. So it'll be very interesting to see where that maybe six five receiver. Yeah, I believe he was a one-time Penn State commit, actually, and oh, then well, ended up committing to Oregon. So a lot of familiar familiar face there relationship already somewhat built receiving room is going to be interesting because you got Mitchell Tinsley who was a basically a one-year rental and produced mightily for this team he's gone Parker Washington who's going to be out for the remainder of the year his decision is looming and then you got a pretty crowded room still inexperienced but crowded room Mm -hmm. so for a scenario like that you could use an experienced power five guy like a Dante Thornton who's competed in the Pac-12 but then you got a lot of young talent still in that room. You got a Keaton Saunders who didn't quite get an opportunity this year to flash. You got Malik Mega, who we were kind of banking on this year. You got a Trey Wallace. You have Rodney Gallagher, who was a one-time commit, now West Virginia commit, but he was on campus last weekend who could potentially flip. And you got Carmelo Taylor, 2023 commit. So this wide receiver room could be very, very deep with a lot of talent, not a lot of experience. So to add a, a transfer portal piece would be very interesting there. Especially with 
Drew Aller coming in next year. Right. And having a reliable guy that's been through it before to throw to. Mm-hmm. More Penn State news. Jerry Porter Jr., to no one's surprise, entering the NFL draft. I think he's a guaranteed day one pick. Mm-hmm. He's got all the traits. Pro scouts love in a cornerback. Height, weight, length. Yeah, 16 or 14 targets against Purdue in the game one, and then 16 targets the rest of the season in nine games. Mm-hmm. Insane. Teams just were scared to throw his way. Yeah. And then probably the biggest news Olu staying with the Nits for another season, meaning our O line next year potentially could look like Olu at left tackle. Tangwall at left guard, mm-hmm. Norzad at center, Wormley at right guard, and then Drew Shelton at right tackle. That mm-hmm. is that on paper, that is one of the best Penn State offensive lines I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, and another name to keep an eye on, especially at that right guard spot, Vega Ione, who mm-hmm. was a true freshman this year, who got some got some runtime towards the tail end of the year is definitely going to be competing for that right guard spot and the depth that they're going to have as well that they got this year. And not to mention, and I didn't realize this. I don't know if you did juice Scruggs and Bryce Hefner, not saying they will, but they could come back. Oh, wow. <laughs> they have that COVID year of el- uh, COVID eligibility. They both walked on senior day, uh-huh. but they haven't made their decision yet. And that could be a real possibility, which would obviously add a, ton more depth to that line and make the competition that much fiercer and then all the new recruits that you got coming in you got alex birchmeyer javen williams all coming in you got jimmy chris the right tackle who's proven that he can kind of be a steady backup there jb nelson so we're going one year later you know fast forward one year last year we're talking about this is the biggest concern on this team and you know what are we going to do to now you might almost have too much depth and you know, for recruits and even transfer portal gets out there, you see a guy like Drew Shelton, who was able to contribute as a true freshman. Uh, you're talking about Olu Fushano, who is the top tackle in the nation. We're talking about the top tackle potentially in the nation protecting your new five-star quarterback next year, which is going to be huge. But all of a sudden, Phil Trotwine's got a melting pot here, and he's going to have guys that are going to want to come to Penn State to to come play o-line here because even look at the nfl you look at the player intros you got ryan bates you got Connor mcgovern uh donovan smith who's been a you know a pretty steady left tackle force in, in tampa all these we're starting to produce nfl talent um and there's definitely more to come mainly with starting with fashano here but uh huge huge news is and vega still has despite playing a little bit he still has the red shirt intact. I don't believe they burned it. I don't, he may burn it if he plays in the bowl game. I'd have to double check that, but I think he was, if I'm not mistaken, preserved and Drew Shelton was burned. Okay. Yeah. I figured, I figured Shelton's was burned, but mm-hmm. I didn't know Vega was a uh, Wisconsin boy. Stole yeah. Wisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a West coast guy. They went, they went out far and wide to get him and he's uh he's a beast. And then, yeah. Uh, Javin Williams, number one ranked player in the state of Pennsylvania at a Reading. And Alex Birchmeyer, number one ranked interior offensive lineman in his state in Virginia. 
So yeah, we got two studs coming in, and then like you said, Jimmy, Chris, Eric Christ, six seven, three sixteen, Jim Fitzgerald on the other side, six seven, three thirteen. Yeah, so we got some bodies coming to the trenches. <laughs> and speaking of the trenches, let's go around them, aka around the Big Ten, starting off with the big news in the big game, the annihilation of Ohio State by Michigan, who essentially reversed the spread one by 22. Mm-hmm. And weirdly enough, I think it was two years ago, right? It was during COVID that Ryan Day was like, we're going to throw 100 on them when we when we see them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Goes out, loses both games after saying mm-hmm. that. And now all Buckeye fans seem like are calling for his head from to yeah. lose job. nuts do you think he's like do you think that's a possibility i think you know just obviously michigan ohio state michigan is a huge rivalry and it's almost like if you lose to them then they don't they want nothing to do with you i think it's probably an overreaction uh but definitely something to keep an eye on especially you don't want to be an ohio state head coach and talk them next year if you go lose again and go oh and three against michigan and miss out on the playoff because of it uh it'd be interesting to see. I think it's an overreaction, but yeah, time will tell. Yeah. I saw some very interesting names out there of who could possibly replace him. Mm. Michigan finishes the season 12 and 0 ranked number two, which again, weird. They're not ranked number one. I thought they would definitely be ahead of Georgia, especially after Georgia struggled and they will play the eight and four Purdue spoiler makers. After Iowa, predictably, as I texted you on the day, yeah. Yeah. choked away the Big Ten West against Nebraska on Friday night. So Purdue, eating four, going into the title game. We're going to talk a lot more about that one in the Big Ten betting bonanza because that's the only game going on in the Big Ten. But the West just keeps getting wilder. We got two new coaches entering the arena. Matt Rule, most recently the Carolina Panthers head coach, signed with Nebraska, and Luke Fickle left Cincinnati to join Wisconsin. So two former Penn or Big Ten players coaching mm-hmm. at different schools on their own modern. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, you talk about Luke Fickle, nose guard, played nose guard at Ohio State, was the interim head coach, won six and seven at Ohio State, but got the gig at Cincy and did pretty much his best best job that he possibly could have there. Won 57 and 18 in six years, made the college football playoff last year as a group of five team, first group of five team to do that. Uh, you know, two and two bowl record, so kind of subpar there, but has those Big Ten ties has the recruiting pipelines in, in the Midwest from being at Cincy. So he's going to be bringing that to, uh, you know, to Wisconsin. And I think, I think it's a slam dunk hire for him. I think it's a big time hire. Um, and I think he's, he's going to do big things there. So uh, especially with the the resources that he's going to have at a big 10 school, a power five school compared to group of five uh, it, it's going to be leaps and bounds ahead of what he had at Cincy. So uh, it's going to take him a couple of years, but I think I think it's a no-brain hire. Yeah, I completely agree with everything everything you just said, and that record shocked me. What was it again? Uh, in six years, you won fifty-seven and eighteen. Jeez, 
I mean, I know he's playing in the AAC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but, back to back 11 win years. Uh, you can't. Before that, nine and three, he, he produced. Yeah. You're being who's in front of you with the recruits that you're getting. Yeah. I think yeah. that's sadly for Penn State, the slam dunk hire for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. That rule for Nebraska, he's had quite the ride over the past six years. So, Started out of Temple, obviously, from Philly. We know that. In college, he's 47 and 43 as a head coach overall, which kind of shocked me. I thought he would have been a little higher than that. Mm-hmm. But after his time at Temple, so 2017, he heads to Baylor. Goes 1 and 11 his first year there. Yikes. Next year, a little better, 7 and 6. And then finishes 11 and 3 named the AP Big 12 Coach of the Year. And with all that success of turning that program around, heads to the NFL, joins the Carolina Panthers, kind of did what Chip Kelly did by, like, picking basically all players from his college team. Like, Chip Kelly was notorious for drafting Oregon players and bringing on Oregon players. (laughs) He kind of did the same thing with Carolina, bringing on a lot of Temple players. I think P.J. Walker started it was starting a bunch of games for them mm-hmm. um he's now at nebraska honestly him coming back to college definitely definitely scares me but him as a coach doesn't scare me for some for whatever reason like him him as a recruiter scares me but him as a coach doesn't scare me like i don't i don't fear his like offense or his defense you know at the end of the game yeah, no, I think he'll he'll for sure make Nebraska more probably more formidable than they've been. And I know just like any fan base, you could say this, but Nebraska is definitely one that's been itching to get back to some sort of prominence, especially in the Big Ten West, which is a as we've seen it, a fairly easy division to win. Who knows how long we'll keep the divisions uh, before they just drop them? But for now, you know we're gonna we're gonna have them. So I think he'll he'll get them to a spot where they're competing for that big 10 West and especially with Wisconsin now with fickle there. But um, like you said, yeah, I don't scheme wise. No, he's just very well known for turning around programs um, like he did at temple. And like you mentioned at Baylor. So I think he'll, he'll continue that same trend at Nebraska, but it's just a matter of what, what that ceiling is, what type of recruits he's able to get in there. It's going to be a new recruiting pipeline for him. So uh, just like Fickle, time it's going to take a little bit of time to get his guys in there, but um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's a good hire for them. Yeah, I mean, just looking at his trajectory in, at Baylor, one eleven, seven and six, eleven and three. You know, yeah. and no offense to the Big Twelve, but that was the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. and especially with USC and UCLA coming in, yeah, it's going to be a whole other animal, but. To finish off this episode, we're going to the Big Ten Betting Bonanza Championship Week where we decide if I hold on to this glorious rusted up dumbbell or if I have to ship it somehow to Dave Barron. (laughs) The Championship Week of Big Ten Betting Bonanza up next.
it is the final week of the greatest betting competition on planet earth the big 10 betting bonanza and where we left off last week it was all tied up despite the records at 25 bonanza points apiece and last week shook everything up we did not record a podcast but we did text our picks back and forth to each other let's go over dave barons first dave went indiana money line plus 320 and they could not get it done against the spoiler makers losing 30 16 he had penn state minus 19 they push big old push there actually lucky lucky push for you i could, I could push, yeah and then ohio state minus eight in the big game so actually that push saved you from going oh and three yeah. oh two and one losing two units getting that push back no bonanza points so you're stuck at 25 bonanza points on the year record wise fall to 19 19 16 and one up 3.15 units now i've been down all season long i think i was up the first week and i got so cocky and haven't <laughs> been up since but let me tell you, the reckoning is here because I went three and zero last week with the biggest bet, the Nebraska money line plus three forty over Iowa on Friday night. The running was on the wall as soon as I saw that game was coming up. I texted Dave and I was like, "We're doing Big Ten betting bonanza pick now because I need to get this Nebraska money line in." Knew that was going to happen. So that's a big plus five for me in Bonanza points because they were, I think, plus ten and a half dogs. Yeah. Or, yeah, plus ten and a half, plus 11. Yeah. Um, second bet that I hit, Illinois minus 14 and a half against the Northwestern. I felt like they were just still playing for that title, so they are just going to stomp, try to get style points against Northwestern. They win 41 to three. And then my final pick, I was going to go with the money line, but I played it safe. Michigan plus eight. At Ohio State, good for seven bonanza points on the year. Ooh. So that puts me up seven over Dave. 32 total bonanza points on the year. And I accomplished my goal. I'm over 500. You did over it. 500 for the first time since week one. How about or week three? How about that? <laughs> I'm 18, 17, and one. Now the unit leader up 5.4 units with those that huge week. Mm-hmm. And we are heading into the final battle. One game and one game only to decide it all. Dave's down seven. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do two picks on the game. And then we're each going to pick two players, not a running back. So either wide receiver, quarterback to rush it in tight end touchdown score to each which will be worth three points and then our game bets will be worth one point and game bets can be anything from the spread over under to team totals to double result to however you want to do it so 
now that I'm back in the lead, first pick, I forgot. Go right ahead, sir. I'm ready for you to take this. Go right ahead. So, a couple notes before we start our picks. The spoiler makers, as I've been calling them, that's for real. Head coach Jeff Brom is 3-0, and first top three ranked teams in his career. The other news on a very, very sad note, Aiden O'Connell sadly lost his oldest brother, Sean O'Connell, and his status for the game is unclear. While I'm picking these games, I'm assuming Aiden O'Connell is playing. So my first pick, I saw this and I couldn't believe it, Purdue plus nine and a half. First half spread. I'm taking that all day and running to the bank with it. I know it's Michigan. I know they just trounced Ohio State, who's a much, much tougher opponent than Purdue. But it's the Big Ten Championship game. Bright lights. People are going to get nervous. Guys are going to mess up. Something's going to go wrong. Not everything's going to go according to script for the first couple of plays. I think Purdue hangs around, rallies around Aiden O'Connell, and hangs in there for the first house red plus nine and a half. Yeah, I think that's a good bet. Um, championship games are just different animal, you know, especially on a neutral field. You never know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with the full game spread, though, because I think even if the first half hangs tight, I think this this could you, I could definitely see this going the other way, right? Where you got Michigan coming in and riding high, and they just lay an egg. Um, I just think this Michigan team's a little bit different. I think they're going to come in riding high, and I think they are going to, at some point, end up trouncing uh, the much weaker foe out of the Big Ten West. So I'm going to take Michigan minus 17 um, in this ball game, And I might even, not Big Ten bonanza-wise, uh, but personally-wise, even flirt with maybe an alternate spread for Michigan. I think they could blow this thing wide open in the second half. But uh, – Pushing for all intents and purposes, Michigan mm-hmm. minus 17. All righty. I like that alternate spread idea. Text me on Saturday. Um, my second game bet is going to be, again, riding high with this. I, I do. I agree with everything you just said. You basically just summed up my next point. I think uh, uh, Michigan is riding very high. They're could be looking ahead, dare I say, a little bit to the college football playoff. Might over, like, not taking Purdue very seriously. So I'm going to take the Purdue team total points over 17 and a half. And on DraftKings right now, this is plus 110. So you're, it's plus in the fucking big. So I'm taking that plus 110 all day long. Give me those units. Stack them up. <laughs> And I'm, for my second pick, I'm going to piggyback on that and go ahead and take the over in this game, over 52. Oh, sorry, a Michigan team total. I was like, oh, man. We have the size of every bit. No, so I'm going to go over here. I think both teams put enough put up enough points. And with that 17-point spread, also banking on that over coverage. So I'm going to go over 52. Over 52. All right. So now for the touchdown scores, this is where I don't know what to do with this first pick. 
because I we know Michigan's going to score. Mm-hmm. So obviously, picking picking a Michigan wide receiver would be wise with the first one. But Charlie Jones, he is just he's he's too good. Over a thousand yards on the year, pretty much twelve hundred exactly on the year. Twelve touchdowns, ninety-seven catches, most targeted player on the team, one hundred thirty-eight targets. I think he's going to score in this one, so that's going to be my first pick for plus three. By the way, for these picks for touchdown scores, plus three. Chuck okay. Sizzle, as Gus Johnson called him in Week One, Chuck Sizzle. Chuck Sizzle, yeah, let's go. Let's go, Chuck Sizzle and the Spoiler Makers. All my picks are pretty good so far. I'm right now the Spoiler Makers. Uh, for my first one, I'm going to stick on the Spoiler Maker side, but I'm going to go to, for me, I think it's a little bit of a safety blanket here, especially if O'Connell uh, doesn't end up going and what is a new quarterback's best friend, but a tight end. I'm going to go with Mr. Payne Durham. And this one, I think he ends up finding the end zone. Yeah, it's a great pick. So now, yeah, now you're leaving another tough decision. I'm going to go between these two. All right. I, I'm going to go with a guy who scored twice last week in the big game. Two deep passes. I think Purdue is obviously vulnerable on the back end and the secondary. So I'm going to go with Cornelius Johnson. Last week, four catches, 162 touchdowns. Give me him for my second player. Touchdown. Big game last week for Cornelius. Cornelius. All right, for my last pick, uh, I am – might be a little bit of a shock here, but when you're eliminating the running back position, I'm going to go with someone else running the ball in here. I think J.J. McCarthy is primed to break <laughs> one loose in this ball game. And I think I could see him scampering for a nice 40, 50 yard touchdown run. Give me JJ McCarthy to run one in. All righty. So heading in to the Big Ten Championship game, Dave is down seven points, but there are six, eight points total on the board. So basically, I mean, I'm, yeah, these are going to be all these picks are pretty risky. Mm hmm. Nothing you can really do. There's only one game in the Big Ten betting bonanza. But that will wrap it up for this week's episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. What a year for Penn State. And I would love to see you, Dave, but I'm sorry. I'm still Rose Bowl on the mind. I'm right there with you, man. Finish off the year and the granddaddy of them all. Give it to me. Once again, thank you, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.